This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Welcome to day three here at UFC Zagreb. And uh, today's a bit of an off day, really. We haven't got too much in the way of official media obligations happening. So what we're going to try and do, get around the place, see who's knocking around, and uh, maybe grab a chat or two with, uh, with whoever we can find. Let's see how it goes. Today is Friday, uh, we are here in the hotel lobby at the Sheraton in Zagreb. Joining me is uh, someone I mentioned in our first audio blog of the week, Mr John Gooden. Howdy. How's things going? You've got a slightly different role this week. You Obviously people know you as a play-by-play guy, but you're, uh, you're, you're backstage this week. Backstage, behind the curtain, I get to now see everything full circle. So we're best seats in the house normally, uh, octagon side, seeing all the action, but now... I see a different area, the craziness that goes on behind the curtain, which I'm sure you guys are a little bit more used to seeing. So yeah, I will be reporting for Fox, holding a microphone, um, speaking to uh, winners and second place athletes uh, on, on Sunday. Yeah, really looking forward to it. Oh, and of course, setting things up at the weigh-ins as well. That's going to be good fun. I mean, how have you, how have you enjoyed Zagreb so far? I mean, everyone I've spoken to has fallen in love with the place. I've been on holiday to Croatia a few times on the coast and it's one of my favourite places to go. I came out here last year to uh, do a UFC countdown shoot with Mirko Krokop. So we came to Zagreb and I, I had a little look around and I, I really like, I really love this country, I like the place. Sadly, I'm now peering outside <laughs> from our position yeah. and it's raining. The last two days it's been like 24 degrees. Lovely. I've packed my shorts which are now obsolete. I'm going to burn them in disgust. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that, that's a bit of a downer, but I'm, lo- I'm loving it out here. It's a beautiful part of, uh, of town, beautiful part of Europe, and I understand that the fans are really getting behind this event as well. Yeah, I understand it's a, it's a sold-out arena, um, and we're going to see some great stuff. I mean, they love their heavyweight fights out in this part of the world, of and they're getting five of them. <laughs> Four of them at the top of the card. I mean, if this was a fight pass card, we could be back at the hotel by half past eight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, because yeah. these fights might not take that long. But obviously, with it being Fox, we like to get a fair amount of padding with the outbreaks yeah. and stuff. But, I mean, what matches in particular are you, are you looking forward to this week? Well, we've just been talking at length about the heavyweight pitcher and the fact that we've got two of the very best in the world. And rankings are obviously important, but not so important in this context because the scheduling right now of the top heavyweights is all kind of happening around the spring summertime and whoever emerges victorious in the best fashion I think therefore probably deserves the next shot so it's a really interesting time for heavyweights so obviously looking forward to that who else there's a young man called uh, Philippe Page who is a Croatian fighter Apparently he comes from an area of Zagreb, which is a very close community. If he travels around Europe, he takes plus 500 people with him. 
He has sold over 2,000 tickets wow. himself alone of his ardent fan base. Uh, so that's going to be cool. He's called Nitro, and for good reason. So that, that's going to be a really nice one. Uh, Nicholas Dalby, uh, Demir Hazovic, two guys from Rumble Sports, uh, both fighting, obviously not each other. Uh, Dalby's fighting Zach Cummings, a very, very big welterweight uh, with a lot of skill, right back in that wing column as well now. And Hazovic fights Mirbek Tysimov, who for me is potentially a title challenger in the future if he continues to grow at the, way, the, the rate that he has. However, Demir Hazovic's story is outstanding. They are not worried. They're embracing this challenge. They're looking to steal that momentum. And after speaking with his coach, I'm, he's convinced me. You know, So there's a couple of fights there. Uh, Rob Whiteford's fighting, fight past prelim, feature bout against Lucas Martins. Amazing. Ian Entwistle, a guy from the UK who spends a lot of time in uh, Phuket top team, yeah. Thailand. Crazy leg lock guy. Uh, been speaking to him all week. He's been smiling a whole lot. So yeah. it's good to see him back. Loads and loads to look forward to. It's going to be it's going to be a cracking weekend. And uh, best of luck with the show this weekend. Thank you very much. New role, different role for you. But um, and we've got we've got Rotterdam just around the corner as well. So presumably we're gonna we'll be having this conversation again in about four weeks' time. We'll go home for a shower. We'll <laughs> repack our bags with clean clothes and we'll do it all again. Great stuff. Enjoy the week, mate. I'll speak Cheers, to you mate. Soon. Thank you. Good stuff. fighters involved this weekend at UFC Zagreb, Ian Entwistle and Rob Whiteford. They're going to be uh, hitting the octagon on Sunday afternoon. Uh, Whiteford in the feature fight past prelim against Lucas Martins. Ian Entwistle against Alejandro Perez, the ultimate fighter Latin America winner. Managed to catch a word with both the Brits doing their final media obligations of the week uh, before they do their weight cut. Uh, appreciate the time with both of them. Here's what they have to say. But Ian, basically a day away from weigh-ins. Uh, how, how's preparations gone, and how you know how are you feeling going into this fight? Yeah, it's going good. You know, I can't uh, I can't complain too much. Um, I'm dying to fight. I'm looking forward to fighting. You know, it's been a while out, and I just can't wait to get in there. And uh, you just done an interview in there with a colleague of mine, John. Um, talk to us about Alejandro Perez, um, ultimate fighter winner, and I know from when we spoke before. You said that you know you've, you've researched him extensively. I mean, yeah. what's he going to bring? You know, I, I realistically, my biggest fear of Alejandro Perez is he's going to run around the cage and bore people, and I'm going to do everything I can in my power for that not to happen. You know, but he he, he does run and he does move, so that's what I, I have to prepare for me personally I'd love to get in there and just fight you know and just just go through and let's just meet in the middle and, and fight he, he may not do that so like like I said I, I've been chasing a lot of chickens for this fight and making sure I can get hold of him if he starts doing that can he go as fast backwards as I can forwards we'll, we'll find out you know you've got a reputation as a as a leg lock guy is there a, is there a danger for for your, you know the uh, opposition that they're just going to focus too much on that. What else have you got in your locker that... Do you know, honestly, I, can't, I don't think they can focus enough on it. You right. know, um, I, I, look, I look at Alejandro and he says comments like, whatever it takes, you know, and, and that, that's cool, him saying whatever it takes, but he's completely different when I'm hanging off his leg, thinking, 
can I really cope with someone bending my leg into and putting me in a wheelchair, you know, because he eats, that, that's up to him. But I mean, I, I feel that I, I obviously I have one with three arm bars, guillotines, my, my whole ground game, game's there, but I think my, my leg locks are the ones that are the most flamboyant, so they, they stand out the most. But yeah. I, I, I have everything, you know. I know you said, and you, you said it to me and you said it in there, you want to be the first British guy to win a UFC title. Of course. But you said if Bisping doesn't get there first, and I know Bisping's a bit of a, a, a hero to you. Yeah, you know, I mean, mate, he, he, we grew up like five minutes away from each other. Right. Um, I, I know his sister really well. Um, and we got... Mick, when I started first training, was coming down to the gym where I was, you know, and he, he, he talked to me a lot about um, how, how much it's important to drill and things like that. Um, and I remember I, I would only been trained about three, four months. He come to the seminar and afterwards he watched us all fight. And you know, like, that kid that pointed to my coach, his friends, my coach, he's like a strong English, English bulldog. He's, he's going to be good. And you know, for, for Mick Bisping saying that when I've been maybe training four or five months, it gave me give me such a confidence. And uh, seeing him sort of reaching the heights that he's at now, he's just landed himself a movie deal. He's going to be in the next Triple X movie with Vin Diesel. That was I think he announced that this week. I mean, you see someone from your home country going on and having that much success. I mean, does that just sort of burn the desire in you to sort of reach the top? Yeah, for sure. You know, I mean, it's great to see Mick getting like these parts in his movies and things like that. But in all honesty, good, good for him because it definitely helps his bank balance. But I just want to see Mick as a fighter. You know, it, yeah. it, for me, I kind of looked at that from a selfish point of view and thought he's not going to be fighting for a while whilst he's pissing around doing his acting. You know, but. That, that, that it is what it is, you know, fair play to him because he's probably going to get a few Ferraris out of it. And you've not fought since December 2014. You got a great win, got a bonus, you've had a long time out. Just how excited are you just very, to be jumping back in there again after all this time? Very, you know. I, <laughs> all right, no worries. Um, and... What can we expect when you get in there and fight? Now, are you expect? I know you said this guy's probably going to run from you. Do you think you're going to end up catching him and finishing him inside the distance, or are you you expect to do have my to best, grind you know? it out? I, I never want to be known as a boy fighter, and I don't want to boy people. You know, this is the first thing we've had in Croatia, um, and I don't want people to look at my fight and think that was boring. You know, I'm going to do my best to grab him. I'm going to do my best to get older. I'm going to do my best to have a fight in there. You know, but. I've always said I'd rather go out and have a, have a real fight, have a proper fight and entertain people, try crazy things, do my best, express myself, then win a fight by jabbing and moving, you know, for me, that, that ain't what this is about, if you win a decision, if you win a fight by a decision, you haven't won, basically MMA is, I think Dominic Cruz said it best, it's a simulated death match, sorry, Uriah Faber said it, it's Dominic Cruz, it's a simulated death match and if you don't simulate anybody's death, you don't win. And for me, I think the whole idea of decisions should just be taken out and let's just fight for three fives. And if you don't win, I like category, don't get me wrong, if you guys absolutely lie, but if you don't win through them three rounds, you don't win. Yeah, yeah, well, all the and best then, of the weekend. I'm really, much. really looking forward to it. And uh, it's great to see a Brit on the card doing the business. Thank you, much, Sam. Good well, I'm just, uh, just a day or so away from, from uh, the actual uh, weigh ins and the weigh cut. You had fight pass preview uh, this week. Tell us what demands have been placed on you this week. What's your week been like? What have you been getting up to? Uh, really, it's, uh, it's in Zagreb, so a lot of the focus is 
the focus is on the, the Zagreb well, creation fighters and from this this area. So I've not had a lot to do, and to, to be honest, it suits me. And I suppose I love the fucking media, you know. Uh, it's a fun part of the game for me. I, I enjoy it, but this week I've, I've literally had nothing to do. This is in the second interview. Uh, I wasn't involved in the media day and the media guys and the outlets were hitting, blowing my pages up in my email and asking what the fuck was going on, why I wasn't on it, because supposedly they like to ask me questions as well, but you know, I've not had that much to do this week, so it's, it's actually been easy. I've been out seeing the city and, and having some fun with it rather than stuck in interviews for two and three hours, so yeah, no, it's good. So how does this contrast to two fights ago when you know you were in Glasgow you were the centre of attention you know you were there you had the dark shades on you were posing for photos right. you had all the crowd behind you yeah. it's a different kind of pressure nah, I don't feel pressure I bring the pressure with me no, I, don't, I don't feel any pressure but to be honest I prefer being the main focus I prefer being the main man you know, when I was in Glasgow I was, I was loving it it's, it's, uh, it's shit you dream of you know fucking being the main man like, it was like main event stats for me in Glasgow so if I go to other events and they want treatment like that, fucking bring it on. I, I love it. It's just unfortunate that it's in, a, it's in a new area this time. And some of the local fighters are getting the treatment I had in Glasgow. So, but next time, you know, put me in that spotlight. I'll arrival in that shit. And uh, you've said this many times before. You know, Scotland's a small country, but you guys can really fight. We can and fight like fuck. Yeah, that's the phrase. And uh, you know, it's 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 a it's it's a country that's really embraced the sport of mixed martial arts. And when you had that show. Up in Glasgow, it, you know, the place went absolutely crazy. People were comparing it with Dublin. How far away are we from getting another one there, do you think? Uh, to me, to be honest, I fought in Dublin and I was at the event prior to that, the first one in Dublin, fucking Glasgow. I'm going to be biased and say, but I, I thought the, the Scottish crowd were excellent. You know, they, took, they took the roof off the place, they were loud from the first fight to the last fight. Uh, all three Scottish fighters won. It was, it was a fucking great night. Uh, and, and growing up in Scotland as a kid, you know, you can either play football or fight and... I done both, so I was lucky. So <laughs> uh, it's just something that's it's it's in our it's in our blood in Scotland, you know. It's, I can remember as a as a kid uh, outside the pubs and guys going in there as friends and then coming back out fighting each other. And the next the next game week they're going back down there and drinking pints with each other again. So it's just a part it's a part of living in Scotland, part of growing up. Uh, what was the question? I lost the end of it. No, that was pretty much it. It was just about, about how how they've embraced the sport. Uh, I mean. Obviously, there was there was a long build-up and a long wait to actually get that show in Glasgow, and there was a big, I think there were Facebook pages, Twitter accounts, really calling for this to happen. Now it's happened. Mm-hmm. Has has the has the country embraced the sport even more? Have you found, in terms of media attention and uh, just the general acceptance of you and what you do for a living, is that something you've noticed since I mean, that event? Uh, I mean, I don't look for acceptance. I do my thing, and if people like it, they don't. And the general public of Scotland don't like it, they don't like it, but I'm fortunate now that they do like it, you know, and it, it wasn't a case they didn't like it, they just didn't know about it, so the UFC came to Scotland and everybody fucking knew about it, so it was great, We got, everybody got to find out about it, I'm in, I'm, in the, I'm in the national papers in Scotland everywhere, I eventually got in my local fucking paper, I was fighting for four or five years and they didn't even write yeah. one column, a couple of weeks back in South Florida, the guys on the phone, <laughs> costing them a fucking fortune when they could have easily came to my house and, and I was in Scotland and done an interview years ago. So it just shows you how, how far how far we came forward. Uh, and I was lucky enough, uh, the UFC flew me out to Vegas just before Christmas and uh, it was some of the, the progress the progression of fighters that they see as prospects coming up and they had us all there. And uh, Lorenzo and Dana sat me down, they had me down in the office and they were saying where they, they want the sport to go and how they would like me to 
really drag Scotland along with me. You know, I need to get back in there. I need to be. I need to be winning. The UFC can only put you in the machine. It's how you get spat out. It, de- it determines how they go. So they're not going to come to Scotland with uh, with if we've not got fighters in there. You know, and uh, if they're unactive, you know, it's unfortunate. Uh, Stevie's been injured for a while. Uh, Joanne's in a high as fuck ones. I think she's in Canada somewhere, and I'm the only active fucking fighter. Really. And I voice my opinion. I'll, I'm loud, you know, I like to be heard, uh, I'm not shy about it, uh, so, so I feel like I'm really at the forefront in, in running that, you know, I was, I was the first Scottish fighter to, to get signed to UFC and before that I was, I was kind of the only Scottish fighter that was campaigning to get the UFC there, I believed in myself, I believed in my country once it came, they would, they would, they would they take, it by, take it by storm, so I, I feel a little bit of responsibility to bring the UFC back and, and, and Dana and Lorenzo assured me if, uh, if I do my job they'll be back before the end of the year's out, so... Uh, I'm looking forward to getting a win under here and going back and having a conversation with those guys. Fingers crossed we'll get it by the end of the year. That would be fantastic. Now, you've come from a, a more traditional martial arts background in so far as you know, Commonwealth Games, judo. Throw back to that and sort of compare what, where you are now and where, where you were back then. I mean, the discipline's still the same. You still go to train like a motherfucker. Uh, you don't, you, there's no shortcuts in any of those games, whether it's mixed martial arts or the traditional martial arts. You've got to work your ass off to get, get to the top. Uh, I'd say I'm smarter in nutrition wise and training wise and maturity just about everything like I said it's like a fine Scottish whiskey I've matured well over time and I feel like I'm near enough to finish that article you know every day I'm getting better every fight I get better because I'm constantly training it's a lifestyle for me it's not just one fight at a time then I take take a few months off the next fight I'm right back in the gym Monday if my body's, my body's healthy and fit to go so uh, yeah it's all going great what, what success has been the biggest and most important for you? Was it having the success at the Commonwealth Games or was it that, that night in Glasgow? Does it, did, 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 did that surpass it? Uh, I mean, the, the success to me is uh, where I come from as a kid, as growing up as a kid. You know, I came from fuck all, I came from nothing. And to then get to the Commonwealth Games in judo and then, and then to surpass that again, fighting in the UFC, top organisation in the world, and then fighting in my hometown and... and, and Registered a knockout in front in front of the country, you know, it was fucking amazing. And I think I think uh, just by emotion in, in the fight game, I mean, you, you get to show yourself a little bit more in the UFC and, and mixed martial arts. You get to get your character and your, your that side of yourself across more than you do in the traditional side, like judo. You know, it's, they're not really looking for characters or they're not looking to express yourself. It's all uh, it's all respectful stuff, you know, and it's respectful stuff in the UFC as well, but. It, you can get you can get your personality across more, uh, and you get to express yourself a little bit more. So, for me, the UFC tops all that because I, I can truly be myself in there. You know, uh, I can say what the fuck I want, I can do what I want. Uh, there's nobody telling me what I can and cannot do except from on that night, Mark Goddard, for three minutes of the last day. Uh, but apart from that, I get I get I get to I get to be free in there. So the UFC is by far the best the best uh, best night of my career and and finally. Brilliant. And last one from me, Lucas Martins this weekend. How are you going to finish it? I, again, uh, in my head, I can see a submission, but I think I'm going to knock this guy out. Uh, and if I don't knock him out, you know, I'm going to go 15 minutes. It's just beating him up. Uh, in the UFC, there's no easy fights. So I'm not looking for an easy night, so I'll take a win anyway it comes, whether it's decision, submission, or, or knockout, you know. But I always love to go in there and put my hands in guys, and I think when I hit him, uh, it'll be good to see him. It'll be good to see my punches affecting another guy again. Elkins, the last guy, it didn't really have the same effect as I've had in my previous opponents. So I'm looking forward to punching someone in the face again and, and, seeing, and seeing that change. 
Brilliant. All the best of the weekend. Great to hear from the two Brits involved in the fight card. And uh, also really good to speak to James Elliott, who is uh, heading up the UFC uh, here in Europe, Middle East and Africa. Uh, I managed to sit down with him this afternoon uh, to chat to him about how things are progressing in, in the continent, how this event's going to go, and uh, his thoughts for the future, including the potential for another show in the UK later this year. Check it out. So James, here we are, Zagreb, another new market for the UFC in Europe. Um, how's the market received? received the UFC since you first announced that you were going to have this event? It's been great. I mean, look, the, the Croatian media um, have been very supportive of it. The Croatian fans have responded fantastically. We sold the arena out, you know, which, uh, which was a big ask with 14,000 seats. You know, it's one of the larger arenas that we can go to in, in mainland Europe. So it's been a, been a fantastic event for us so far. And Zagreb's a wonderful place to come and visit. I urge everyone to come here if they can. In terms of the fight card, it's quite interesting. We've got a lot of heavyweight fights on that card. Was that a, a decision that was made sort of by Joe that this is a market that really likes their big heavyweight fights, so we're going we're gonna to stack the card, or is it just the way it's panned out? No, it's, it's very, much, very much part of the planning when we go into a new market. You know, we, do, we do as much research as we can as to, as to the arena, as to the buying habits, as to the media landscape, and also the fight, which, which um, fights and which weight categories resonate the most um, effectively with the fans. So we did a lot of research, understood that the, the, the heavier weight classes um, were, were what the fans were looking for in Zagreb so it made sense for us to then put the call into Joe um, who looks after that end of the scale yeah. and, uh, and he put together a fantastic card for us so it's going to be a hell of a night and uh, in, terms of, in terms of the overall picture in terms of a mayor this, we obviously we had London that was a huge show very briefly let's throw back to that the reaction that you received whether it be from the, uh, the Vegas office or whether it be from the local media in the UK give us, give us a sense of just how successful that show was for us. We had 17,000 people in there, the biggest gate we've had. Um, it, was a, it was a fantastic night. I mean, the, the, the main event, I think, will, is, in my mind, going into instant classic status. Uh, it was great to see, to see those, those two competitors there and the respect at the end and also to see, you know, obviously Michael Bisping have his, have his moment in the sun. I'm sure he, he won't want it to be his last one. Um, Vegas were, were, were as pleased as they always are when they come to London. You know, the, the, the executives, you can see from who was sat Octagon side how important London is to us. You know, we had, we had Lorenzo, Frank and Dana um, and the Kisa as well. So, you know, there is a, the, the big guns came over for it and they'll be back every time we're in London. I, could, I have no doubt about that. And there was a bit of a wait before we got that London show. Is it the plan now for, because it's kind of the base of the UFC in Europe, is the plan to have an annual show, same time of year each year, just to make it an annual event? We'd, lo- we'd love it to pan out that way. That was always the intention. Obviously, it didn't happen in, in yeah. 2015, which was disappointing for all of us. Um, as I said in the press conference afterwards, you know, we'd, we'd love to be back in London every week. The yeah. O2 Arena is a great building. You know, they, they look after us very well. The fans are, support- are hugely supportive. Um, um, what's important in London tends to be important everywhere across Europe so it's a yeah. big staging post for us it's two and a half miles from our office yeah. so it makes life a lot easier as well so it, it's, uh, if, if we had our way we would definitely make it a fixture You've been in the job a little while now how have you, how have you found it settling in running, running the show here in Europe and, and- how have you how have you found things in the last few weeks and months? It's it's been great. You know, there's we've got a we've got a very talented team here. You know, I was, I was part of the team beforehand, so I knew everybody very well. I knew that 
um, I was in safe hands, let alone them being in safe hands with me. So it's it's very easy to, to corral this, this group. Um, they're very, very talented at what they do. They care passionately about MMA, which is a, a key part of this. You know, you've got to get up every day and, and keep banging away at it. So it's um, I've really enjoyed it. I think we've the key thing for us is that I'm really excited about the fact that it really does feel like we've only just begun. Yeah. You know, we're up for two... Um, BT Sports Industry Awards, um, yeah. awards, yeah. Uh, brand of the year, and international marketing campaign of the year, which which is a big a big endorsement of the work that we've been doing. Yeah. Um, you look at the brands that we're up against for brand of the year, and that's a really you know if I said to the team when we got nominated, if life's about the company you keep, then we're um, we're not doing too badly at the minute. Yeah, and in terms of media uptake, um, we had a packed media day in London and a, and a, a very busy press row. Um, Talk to us about the, the media uptake. Obviously, we've had to deal with BBC Three, so mm-hmm. they're a new outlet that, that, that's come on board, a major outlet. In terms of the national press and all of that, how much how much have you seen the sort of the, the, the corner being turned, so to speak? It's, cha- it's changed almost entirely since I joined two, just over two years ago now. And to be honest, I think it's changed in the last six to eight months. You know, we've we've knocked over a few of the people who are still remaining to be convinced. Um, you know, the Guardian have come on board and they're, they're now reporting more consistently on MMA. We have the deal with BBC. The BBC will be in Zagreb yeah. running a running a, a, a live blog again. Yeah. Um, we we were we're probably the best um, and uh, most viewed content that BBC Three have had so far was the London show. So it's you know we're really resonating with those guys. Um, and the, as you know, every time anybody gets. A taste of this sport. Anytime everybody, anybody's brave enough to put it out there, um, they'll see the reception that it gets. You know, the, the the consumption of it is huge. The passion for it is enormous. So I think there's uh, people have woken up to that fact now. And like you say, Media Row at, at London covered pretty much everyone you would want to have sat by your event reporting yeah. on your event so we're, we're thrilled with the progress that we're making now we've just got to try and push the commercial aspects of, of our business in Europe um, and build the business to a level that, that enables us to, to, to drive it on and bring bigger and better events in. and uh, we're still relatively relatively early in the year second of mayor event of the year What's what's the plan for the rest of the year? Is there anything you can tell us for the rest of the year? We're going to have a, an event in um, in Q3, okay, um, which will be in Germany. Yeah. A little exclusive for you there. Okay, uh, we're not going to narrow it down just yet, so okay. you can have a little bit of wild speculation. But we're we're very pleased to be going back to Germany. You know, we've we've expanded our business there um, since we were there last time. We've we've announced our deal with Proceven. Um, which is the biggest uh, commercial TV group in the in the country. Um, we're working very closely with some key media partners out there as well. So we expect when those tickets go on sale that we'll have a we'll have a big push there. Um, forgive the pun, and we'll have a um, you know we can we can do some we can do some great things in Germany. It's going to be a key market for us. And then in Q4 um, we will be having another event, and we are targeting another event in the UK. Okay, that would be that would be great. That would be great, and. There's been talk, I don't know whether it was uh, a misinterpretation or whether this is something that is actually in the pipeline. I think Lorenzo had talked about going back to the UK four times next year. Is that is that an achievable aim or is that something that's been misconstrued? Uh, it's definitely an achievable aim. Whether we meant it in quite the way it was reported, I'm not quite sure. So we'll, um, we'll pick that up. 
that we'd we'd love to have more events. You know, we've, yeah. we've made no secret about that. There's a there are a, a, a huge number of complicating factors which dictate when and where and, uh, our events are placed. Um, in this office, all I can say to all the all the all the fans out there in 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 Amaya is that we are pushing very hard to get as many events as we can in this market um, and get as many of them to be as good quality as we can. And I think that the cars that we've delivered to the to the European audience over the last 18 months or so have been pretty significant so I think the, uh, the commitment to this region from the from the, the owners and the executives in, in Vegas I think can't be questioned. How much of a balancing act is it obviously you've got established markets already within Imaya who you know when you go there you're going to get a sold out arena you're going to get a great atmosphere and you've got the local fighters that you can put on the card. How much of a balance act is it between needing to go back and dip into those markets regularly to maintain the interest and also breaking new ground like you're doing this weekend in Croatia? It's, it's, it's tough. You know, there's a, we've, got, we've got a number of old friends that we like to go and visit, you know, yeah. in Stockholm, London, Dublin. You know, these, are, these are places where we know the fans are going to get behind us, where we know we're going to have a good reception. Yeah. Um, it's very difficult to, to kind of not just keep going back to the same places, but you know, we've had a, a, a good run of opening and breaking new markets, and I think the ideal scenario for us would be to have a roster of, of, of territories where we know we're going to go and where we know we're going to be well-received, because I think ultimately that's for the benefit of the sport. Because once we've come, you know, hopefully this show um, uh, on, on Sunday night in Zagreb Arena will do a lot to help bolster the, the MMA scene locally within Croatia. Um, we've seen that in other markets that we do. So hopefully when, when we come back to these territories, you know, people have risen up in our wake and kind of, and kind of uh, and, and done more to further the cause of MMA. So we're always looking to push new boundaries. I think if we, if we keep going solely back to the places that we've always been, yeah. it's not going to drive us forward. No. So it's, it's about getting a blend between those two things. Absolutely. And uh, something else, I, you know, I have to ask you this because it's, it's a burning topic that everyone in the UK talks about is the TV situation. Obviously, we have a TV contract at the moment. Uh, BT Sport, who previously I was working on that contract as part of that, um, early on and that's coming to an end I think at the end of July um, everyone wants to know where's, where's it likely to go next now obviously when you're in a position to announce it obviously you'll announce it but can you give us a sense of how things are progressing Sure, Look, it's, it's a it's a burning question around my kitchen table as well but I know everyone's asking me so it's um, we're we're still in talks with, with all the major players. We're in talks with a, n- a number of interested parties, um, some that would be no surprise to people, some that would be. Um, it's a very interesting moment for us now in the UK, and we want to make sure that the, the next deal that we do um, is reflective of the change which we think has happened in the last 18 months and, and, and really get, get a broadcaster who and a broadcast partner who will, who will come with us on this, on this journey, for want of a, a, a better phrase, you know, to, to really get behind the sport and to help drive us to where we think it can go. So we're currently in talks with everybody. Everybody's incredibly enthusiastic. We're just going to try and strike the, strike the best balance of a deal now, um, and we'll get something done by the time the contract expires. There's no doubt about that. And how important is it? Obviously, you know, broadcasters are able to put content onto, onto a schedule and, and, and put it out on TV. How important is it that they do the extra stuff, the shoulder program, rather than just having a, a partner that literally just puts events on television. How important is the sort of the further relationship beyond that? I, th- I think it's it's about a balance. You know, there's um, clearly having a commitment to, to run the shoulder programming, whether that's them creating their own, you know, as BT have done with Beyond the Octagon, or whether it's them taking the content which we produce. Yeah. You know, we, we spend a lot of time and money 
you know, um, creating that shoulder programming to continue to tell the stories, continue to build the, the hype for the fights. It's quite hard for a broadcaster to do that when they're not part of the people who are coming up with that with that narrative. You know, so I think it's sometimes in some broadcast deals that we have around the world. You know, it's, uh, the the locally generated content really resonates. In some territories, it's the UFC-generated content that, that resonates. So we, we always we play with it and we figure out what works and what doesn't. Um, one thing that we do want uh, to have from our broadcast partner, though, is, is that promotional support. You know, put us put us front and centre of what they're of what they're doing. Um, you know, because because as you've seen from the stuff that, that people put online, um, and the, and to be honest, the, the broadcast ratings that we're now receiving on, on BT Sport across all of our programming um, shows that there's a there's a huge audience out there for this. And like I say, we've only just begun. So that's that's what we're looking for. We're looking for people who are going to come with us, whether that's digital content, long form programming. We'll see what what smarter people than me in the creative TV world can come up with but we'll, um, we'll definitely make sure that it, it contains all of those elements Brilliant and question I've never asked you before a lot of these questions are ones that we've touched on in previous interviews what do you physically do on a fight night what are your movements what are your responsibilities what do you do so from the moment you get to the arena how early do you get there and what do you do as you work through the day on, on fight night itself on fight night I normally get to the arena uh, about an hour before the before the first fight of the night. Yep. Um, wander around, make sure that everybody's comfortable. My best kind of night is when I don't have anything to do because that means that nothing's gone wrong. So yep. um, hopefully, if people are watching, they'll be sat by the octagon, um, watching the fights, making notes on, on what's happened, um, talking to our commercial partners who are there, making sure that the business side of things is running smoothly whilst the operational team take care of the, of the fighters in the back of house. Um, and then obviously building up to the press conference. So on a, on a good night with a good show, I don't have much to do, which is, which is very nice. Well, fingers crossed you've got nothing to do on Sunday. <laughs> Absolutely, me too. Great stuff. Thanks very much for your time, really appreciate it. Nice to talk to you again. Last and definitely not least, uh, managed to get a, a cracking sit down with uh, the war master himself, Josh Barnett, the former UFC heavyweight champion. Uh, talks a bit of pro wrestling. Uh, if you're a pro wrestling fan, you're definitely going to want to listen to this. Uh, and uh, just got asked him a few a few different questions, having seen him field the same questions over and over again from uh, from some of the media who were chatting with him. We just sat down and had a chat, and uh, I think what what came out was uh, was quite interesting, entertaining stuff. Check it out now. All right, we're here with uh, guest fighter this week. The guest, Ma- I am a guest fighter. Yes. The war master himself, Josh mm-hmm. Barnett. Uh, first off, how are you finding Zagreb? Are you enjoying it? I think so it's far? fantastic. I've, uh, although I was surprised to see some of what I experienced in Romania sort of, I don't want to say echoed here because I, I know how Europeans can get about who did what first and better and what have you. I'm not trying to say anything about that. But, excuse me, uh, uh, I had essentially what I knew in Romania as Minch over here, which is Sivap. And then I've had uh, what they called their, their plum grappa or what have you. Here is called polinka in Romania, and right. it tasted almost entirely the same, or very similar anyways. So it was interesting to see some overlap, although Romania and Croatia are not all that identical. The languages are different, uh, the people are different, but, uh, you know... It's just to me being to be able in, to be in Europe and to be a part of all this history and, and having it be so much more closely knit because of the, the, the history of Europe and, and the location of 
empires over the years, and or I should say the influence of empires and uh, the location of uh, of the countries to each other. And I hadn't thought about it, but uh, I really should have planned this trip out before I came over because I missed a massive opportunity to say, go spend a day in Vienna. If I'd only prepped and prepared, and when I flew in on Tuesday, did what I needed to do, and then I could have left either Tuesday or Wednesday to go to have gone to Vienna, or even made it all the way up to uh, Prague, so I could have went to, like, say, Sedlik Ossuary or something. You know, there's so much to see, and yeah. I, I forget that you know, six hours I could be in, in Czechoslovakia, or in three and change I could be in Austria. That's crazy. Yeah, and in a previous interview, uh, you mentioned about being a professional fighter, you get to travel quite a bit. But is it a case that you don't always get to see that much of the place you're at because you're so... You know, your, your time is so precious. You're either yes. cutting weight, preparing for a fight, and then you've got the cutting media, weight. Formally, right, look media like obligation. <laughs> <laughs> media, gen, oh. I'm talking in generalities here, right? And, sure. uh, but um, you, obviously, you've got the media obligations and all that sort of stuff as well. So sometimes, is it, is it a case that you actually don't get to experience the country? And this is, this is a bit of a relief right. for you to be able to do this. You're right. And, uh, you know, it's, it's honestly on me. I, as a guest fighter, I could have done more uh, here. Uh, uh, if I pre-planned before I came over and even uh, planned for to for like jet lag reduction and things like that by sleeping on the plane at certain times and stuff and uh, I mean that's that's even worth ambient taking an ambient or something and just crushing yourself and just making yourself sleep to set up you know opportunity because hey man you're the seventh guy I've talked to today I think I probably have an eighth and I've got more after that and you know I, I don't get me wrong I don't have any regrets to come over and to work uh, you know I enjoy being a part of this and to, to meet everybody and talk to folks. And I got to see some of Zagreb yesterday and, and I had a good walkabout. Uh, but, uh, you know, when you're on business, you're on business, man. You gotta take businesses first and pleasure a second. So uh, the reality is I need to make time to come over to Europe specifically right now uh, and, and get some, some traveling in because uh, it's a part of the country, well, a country, a part of the world that I haven't spent near enough time. Well, you say this is interview number seven. I'll try not to ask you the same stuff that you've oh, been getting. Uh, oh, it's, that you've it's been all getting. right. I'm sure, but, um, I'm sure it's easy enough. <laughs> but um, one of the things I wanted to ask you about, and it kind of deviates a little bit from where we are and what we're doing is, well, that's good. I'm an um, you know, you, 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 you call New Japan Pro Wrestling. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, a good friend and colleague of mine is a professional wrestling journalist. Um, covers WWE extensively. Um, mm -hmm. But he was very excited about uh, Shinsuke Nakamura joining joining the WWE, you would have seen an awful lot of his work. Just tell us a bit about him and, and just what a phenomenon the guy is. Well, he's, they call him King of Strong Style. Now, he's not necessarily Strong Style in the vein entirely of like an Antonio Inoki or a, 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 who else would be a really great example of that? A, Fujiwara, or uh, I guess he's kind of more of a shoot-style guy, but he, he's not like all throwback wrestler per se, but he is hard-hitting. He's much more about, I mean, there is flash to some of what he does. There is some uh, high-spot action to some of his matches, but Nakamura stays to his opponent, on his opponent. You know, he doesn't seem to waste a lot of energy out there, and to be honest, a lot of wrestlers are just nothing but choreographers. You know, they're out there doing dance moves and calling it wrestling. Nakamura 
was a legitimate freestyle wrestler. He's got a great sliding double that he does. Uh, he fought MMA. He trained in the New Japan Dojo. He trained at the Santa Monica Dojo. I've trained Nakamura uh, for MMA and and just, you know, it's so funny to say I've trained him for MMA, but really the reality is uh, anything I've ever worked with Nakamura on is professional wrestling. Whether he's shooting or working, it's the same. Uh, you know, Billy never called it anything different. Or Billy Robinson, I mean, training is training. If you go out there and you, you know, there may be certain routines that you might, might want to work on for the sake of professional wrestling, for the environment of it, but reality is your base work is spent being a wrestler, fighting, training, doing holds, uh, working on your striking, and being in shape, being strong, and being fit, and being able. And, and Nakamura is all of that. He is a great example of that, and also he has such an eye for showmanship and how to use it how to create he's a very charismatic person and the one thing I've always noticed about Nakamura even when he was a, uh, a younger wrestler is that he had a very good idea for pacing and counterattacks. you know he was so good at being able to to find a way to, to get back into that match to get back into the fight to reverse to counterattack, to to turn something against his opponent which is is fantastic and I I've I, I know I will not see his work in in America only because I just I don't have the network I don't have cable I don't watch television uh, so I'm I'm, I'm going to miss that but uh, I did see some bits from his match against uh, Sami Zayn in yeah. NXT because of Shayna watching it on her phone right. and uh, I'm just watching the finish and uh, and I'm watching and I go now take a look here. Look at how there's no waste in, you know, he stays on his opponent. He sees his, the opportunity to win for victory. This is his chance. Build it up. Let's go. Let's put it right on the guy. Let's not fool around, jump on ropes, make big poses and all kinds of stupid stuff. He, he gets to it because the reality is people are watching a struggle, a contest, a fight between two people, not a dance recital. Yeah, you know what I mean. If I want to see Swan Lake, I'll go watch some ballerinas. I don't want to watch a bunch of wrestlers out there do a bunch of you know. I didn't buy a ticket to Greece. I bought a ticket to watch athletes struggle and yeah. fight. Yeah, and no, it's interesting. I mean, I'm, I'm I enjoy watching professional wrestling. I wouldn't say that I'm a hardcore fan of it. I enjoy watching it. I got taken to my first uh, regional event mm -hmm. a few weeks ago, Progress Wrestling in London. And uh, I kind of joked to my friend, I turned around about halfway through and I said, I'm going back to MMA, this stuff's a bit too violent for me. You know, it, it, was, it, was, it was like that, and it was, but it's really interesting. I mean, it's kind of, you've got similar types of athlete in some regards involved in both sides of the fence, mm -hmm. if, if you want to put a fence there. Sure. Like. Um, well, there especially used to be. Yeah. The, the, and now that the MMA is, is around, I think some more of the reality training is coming back into it. There's actually... A small amount of American professional wrestlers that come and train with me uh, uh, from time to time when they have the opportunity, because as an indie wrestler, and well, even as a non-indie wrestler, their schedules are really, really agonizing. Yeah. Uh, you know, they keep so busy. Uh, if you're in the WWE, then their schedule is very hectic, very fast-paced. If you're an indie wrestler, you're chasing bookings everywhere, you yeah. know, and you're making very little. So uh, when the time is available, they come down and... and and you know, a lot of the training is just basically fight training. But you know, I sit back and uh, and I work with these guys when it comes to to wrestling. And you know, I just go, okay, let's move, let's do this, let's do that. Okay, 
why'd you do that right now? Well, because most of the time it's just like, oh, I just did the thing that you can do with that. It's like, no, 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 no. You see, you need to tell a story, right? And to tell a story isn't about just doing stuff. Telling the story is about creating drama, creating reason to your, your match here. There has to be a thread that follows through all of this. And you know, teaching people the emotion, the actual aspect of fighting and how that plays into wrestling. And just, and, you know, people get the idea that, you know, well, I'm not saying you can't jump off the top rope and you can't do this and you can't do high spots and you can't do some of these things. It's not that at all. It's about creating the, the environment that makes that make sense. Yeah. And that pulls the, 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 the viewer into that and not breaking their disconnect from wrestling. And, and part of the trouble with wrestling now is it's too predictable. You know, especially the smarts, they sit back and they watch and they, they know they're looking for the signature move that leads to the thing and that's the finisher and there you go. Yeah. And not to say that they can't be enjoyed with that, but I think they will find they would be much more enjoyed if they couldn't predict what was going to happen, right? You know? Yeah. Uh, and that's what I'm trying to teach is not predictability, but emotion. And Pe- yeah. yeah that's, that's what people get into. Well, people wouldn't have predicted that someone would run into your open workout ahead of your <laughs> last fight. That no. was a fantastic spectacle. And bearing in mind the sort of people that was, would have been standing around that ring, you probably had some really interesting expressions at first. It's like, okay. I suppose, yeah, yeah. Nobody really knew what to think. <laughs> Although... I would think that it, at, at least at this point, one thing that would be expected for me is that the unexpected is, is always around the corner. And, uh, you know, personally, I view open workouts as tiresome and boring and tedious. Uh, that one wasn't. No. One well, wasn't. And, and, you know, I did the same with, you know, that's the first open workout I've had with the UFC. I haven't had one right. since Strikeforce. Okay. And after that Strikeforce event... I don't know if it was related, but they had no more open workouts after that. So uh, I don't, I don't, I don't know if it was well received or what have you by the office. But I do know that the the, the fans seem to have really got into it. The journalists were having a field day, and what's so funny is there was an original intention to go and start you know, wrecking some of their stuff too as they were there. Right. But I didn't mean, I didn't mean like, like their cameras or anything. I, I want to stay away from that because those are quite pricey. Just knocking chairs. But I just, yeah, just yeah, yeah. busting stuff around and kind of pulling them into it. Uh, but it was also a matter of, from the perspective of, of the athlete, right? And the athlete and the entertainer. Open workout, uh, you know, the, 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 press that was there was the same press that I'd already talked to the day before. Right. So what was I going to tell them now that I couldn't have told them yesterday, yeah. right? So it was really just going to be a lot more of the same. I had seen some of the earlier open workouts and the interviews that had followed and heard, you know, what people were talking about. And it was just sort of, it just was completely redundant yeah. for me. Uh, and really, open workouts is an old prize fighting throwback thing. Uh, well, I mean, not to say that they haven't been doing it for boxing, you know, it's, it's taken from that. But that whole thing from open workouts comes and open and public weigh-ins, that's all about betting. Yeah. That's all about, you know, the guy coming into town. And they would do open workouts maybe for a week or more leading yeah. into their match. They'd come in, maybe they'd put out a challenge in a paper, take out a, a challenge in the paper, or a match was set up and this guy would roll into town. There was, you know, whoever the town champion was or, or the regional guy. And so this person would roll in and do a bunch of series of strong man things and you know feats of strength and 
uh, stuff to say, oh, well, look, you know, look at this guy. It's just like when they bring the horses down at, at, the, at the races and, and lead them around. Oh, you can take a look at it and see what kind of shape it's in. Oh, it looks really strong and how it's, how it's moving. And the same thing with us, you know, uh, not to say that we're horses or animals, but that's where open workouts come from. So yeah. we they get an idea, oh, how does he look? Oh, you know, let's see what the betting is. And to try and create interest uh, in, in the towns, you know, or the yeah. regions at the time. Because they hadn't seen this person before. They didn't have television. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, that, that's followed in. And so, uh, you know, I get there and I just think there's, there's, a, there's no reason for me to just sit here and punch pads and, and, and do all this. What's the point? It's stupid. Yeah. So I'm going to make it mine. And at the same time, instead of at that, at that strike force one especially, uh, I just said, well, I'm not going to talk to all of these guys individually again. I'm going to say what I have to say. I'll cut my promo. That's it. Yeah. And I'm done, you know. I'll drop the mic and leave. There's no, there's no reason to say anything else. Same with this one, you know. Uh, I don't know where this, this masked idiot came from and decided he was going to try and you know, take a shot at the, the number one guy here. But, all right, fine. But, you know, when all is said and done, I made my point. I spoke to my I addressed the press and whoever was there and done. Yeah, it was great. And last one from me, and really appreciate the time. Thanks very much. Um, you said in the past you'd love to come and fight in England. Mm-hmm. I know I'm asking you to regurgitate something that you've just already said to somebody else. Sure. We originally spoke um, for the Sun newspaper. It's, it's before the Ben Rothwell fight. Mm-hmm. And you talked about Brian Blessed. Yeah. You talked about, you know, you're a fan of English culture in a lot yeah. of ways. And, uh, you know, you've taken a lot of influences from that. What is it that makes you sort of really earn to compete in the UK and, and have a match in the UK? Uh, it is really the whole idea of having Brian Blessed announce me in the ring and possibly be in my corner. That would be that would be a big a big plus. Uh, but also, you know, one of my coaches, uh, Billy Robinson. You know, he's from Wigan. He is a he's from the Snake Pit. He's a catches catch can. You know, was a catches catch can master. You know, he is he's no longer uh, with us. But uh, to do him proud and maybe to bring catch wrestling back into the forefront in, uh, of where it had stemmed from and maybe to try and encourage the, you know, the Britons to get more into back into their roots of catch wrestling and, and uh, to bring that back to their culture and uh, maybe just to get you know, real pissed over a few pints. I don't know. I mean, I had a good time the first time I was in London and, and even still, there's more to the UK than just England. You know, there's, there's Ireland, uh, Scotland, and even whales, even so whales. even whales. <laughs> but uh, uh, I just think it would be fantastic, and uh, uh, you couldn't really give me a reason why not. Fantastic. Well, enjoy the rest of the week. Thanks so much for your time. Really appreciate it. about all we've got time for for this audio blog on day three uh, tomorrow is weigh-in day uh, the fighters will uh, will face their first big test of the week as uh, they take on the scales and uh, try and make weight ahead of their bouts on Sunday uh, so we'll be heading off to, to the arena tomorrow for the weigh-ins and uh, I'll check back in with some of the boys from the media corps um, after the weigh-ins and uh, we'll stick that on tomorrow's audio blog speak to you then